1: The 11 to 1 show.
2: Have you got the three year itch? Well, perhaps it's time to move more after George Michael. Yeah, George Michael with Faith and LMFM's 11 to 1. Sinead Brazzle, you can get in touch on 086 1800 658. Now, I'm asking, have you got the three year itch? Perhaps it's a five year itch or a 10 or even a 20 year itch. This is all to do with your job. And a new survey has found that people get restless after three years in their job. And this was taken from a survey of 2000 workers. And uh, they found that more than half said that they definitely had this three year itch. So 51% said the Sunday night fear was a sign to move on. Oh, there's not, yeah. Whilst 31% said not getting on with their boss was assigned to search for a new role, and one third of people felt January was the best time to look for a new job. So this is quite timely. So, are you that person that dreads the sound of the alarm Monday to Friday? It's waking you out of your slumber. It's time to face another day in the place that you just don't want to be working in. Well, what is stopping you? What's stopping you today? Because this is what we're going to delve into. OK, we might have this survey and it's interesting that we have all these people that definitely experience the three year itch. But are people definitely moving on? And if not, what is stopping you? We're going to be joined by a fantastic um He's he's a he's a guy that will just empower you okay he's fantastic his name is Mark Carlin he is a career coach a life coach he is a motivational speaker as well and he has spoken about um his own experience so 20 years ago he was very much in a place like these people in the survey where he was very much experiencing the fact that he needed to move on from his job but there were so many things in his mind Uh, imaginary things as well that were preventing him from taking that leap. So last night on LinkedIn, he posted this and I'm going to read this to you because it's all tying into why we don't make these changes and switches in our life. So he says, too often in life, I've run from vulnerability and that has failed me each and every time, which is why he's going to be talking about this on the radio today. So running from vulnerability, it's avoidance, delaying, dodging, Crucially, adding to the pressure, trying to stay safe by playing a role instead of being myself. So there's a lot going on in this, right? So why do we not take these uh, leaps? Well, number one, it's kind of an avoidance, isn't it? Oh, I can't do that because. And we start creating excuses. So we delay it. We sort of dodge around it. But all of these things that we do when we run away from vulnerability only adds to our stress and our overwhelm and our sense of losing who we are and, you know, just settling for something that we just don't want to be in. And this is what we're going to be talking about with Mark. If any of this resonates with you, by the way, please reach out to us and we can keep you anonymous if you want. On 086-1800-658. Are you somebody that is just not liking what they're doing for, their, for a living? Why is that? Why do you not want to switch? Is there... A, a risk in your mind an imaginary risk in your mind or what is there excuses that you're coming up with about why you want to switch get in touch with us because we're going to be delving into this on the show 86 658 so if you have this 3 year or 10 year 15 year 20 year itch and you want this itch to go well this is the show for you today we're going to be delving all into this with Mark Carlin so stay tuned to all of that but first back to the music here's Coldplay play. Sky full of stars That's put me in good form See another way January is a dark old bleak month and we've nothing to look forward to How would you like a little treat? It's all in association with the Fairways Hotel Dock. I'm going to bring you details of a fantastic competition that we're running and exciting new music from Dua Lipa on the way
1: oh, The 11 to 1 show
2: it's a five-year itch I have. This is a message coming in on 86 658 We're talking about, well, it's, it could be any sort of an itch, but a, definitely a three-year itch anyway is what is most common for people who want to change their career. They get this sort of You know, three years. Okay, I've done all I can here. What am I going to do? And then they kind of start thinking about moving on. We're asking today, do you have that? How many years are you in your job? Are you happy in it? This person is not. Feel I am worth way more than this job. It just makes me feel meaningless, says this message. Well, that is absolutely a sign to run for the hills and try and get out. But it's easier said than done. But we will be going through tips, hints, advice on how you can do that. And a lot of it has to do with silencing that inner dialogue that's going on with us, doesn't it? You know, that oh you can't you wouldn't be good enough for this but what about this all this stuff that you know our brains throw at us that make us not take that leap do keep them coming in let me know are you sick of your job do you have that itch are you dying to get out let me know 086 1800 658 very exciting stuff new music from this lady Dua Lipa Oh, I'm loving that one, Do A Leap, with Houdini on LMFM's eleven to one. Now I have a really nice treat for you today. I do indeed. And it's all in association with the Fairways Hotel in Dundalk. They have announced a new mouthwatering selection of menus in their Brasserie restaurant. So you can get all the information that you need from the new menus if you check out their website, fairwayshotel.ie. So to celebrate this, right, they have given us a two night family break for two adults and up to three kids in a large family room with either a three course lunch or dinner On one of the days of your stay. And also for the consolation prizes, we've got four great consolation prizes. So we have a table for up to six people to enjoy a Bubbles and Brunch evening. Now, I'm going to say brunch seems a bit more classier, doesn't it? And more sophisticated than just sort of any old kind of meal out there. Everyone's all about the brunch right now, aren't they? So Bubbles and Brunch evening, that's happening at the Brasserie restaurant as well. Now if you want to be in with a chance of winning any of the great prizes all you have to do is hop over to LMFM's Facebook page also the LMFM website so lmfm.ie and submit your entry. So there's a fantastic family break two adults three children in a large room with a three course lunch or dinner on one of the days of your stay and also four Great opportunities as well to win a table uh, for up to six people to enjoy bubbles and brunch. And a big thank you to Fairways Hotel. All the details are on fairwayshotel.ie. So do get entering. Oh, it's nice to have something to look forward to in January, isn't it? It really, really is. Now, the other thing I wanted to mention to you today is if there is uh, somebody that might be interested in this in your house female students in the Northeast, they are being encouraged to sign up for I Wish STEM Showcase 2024 so former President of Ireland and current Chair for Elders Mary Robinson she's going to speak to over 3,000 female teenage students at the 10th Annual I Wish Showcase at the RDS it's happening the 8th of February so joining her uh, on this event it's going to very much inspire teenage girls towards careers in STEM and there's also going to be an Irish science communicator, scientist, and entrepreneur, Kira Judge. She spoke at the first I Wish event in 2015 after her BT Young Scientist Award. So she is going to be part of this as well. The event for registration for this iwish.ie forward slash register. For people in your life that might just be inclined in that area, it's very, very important for it to encourage girls as well to take up uh, careers in this area. So iwish.ie forward slash register. <laughs>
1: 11 to 1 show
2: did you know that 420 million disposable nappies and over 1 billion disposable wipes go into landfill in Ireland every single year? That is a lot of waste. But what have I told you that there's an alternative? The Cloth Nappy Library Ireland, it's a voluntary run organisation and it's very much on hand to provide families with cloth nappy loan kits and information guidance and support as they transition from disposable nappies to cloth. Now, we heard a little about this organisation on Monday's show when Vicky McNulty from Green Cub Gifts was discussing her work and I had to find out more. I'm delighted to be joined by Kate Doyle. She's a busy mum, entrepreneur. She's running her own company, The Nappy Market, and she's also chair of the Cloth Nappy Library here in in Ireland. You're very, very welcome, Kate. How are you getting on?
0: Thanks, Sinead. I'm great. Thanks. Delighted to come on and have a chat about cloth nappies.
2: Yes, absolutely. So take us back to the start of your own journey, Kate. What prompted you to start using cloth nappies with your first child?
0: Yeah, so I suppose like every expected parent, I, I did what everyone does and I googled everything that you need to know about babies all along the way and um, I happened to stumble across cloth nappies on, actually on Facebook Marketplace, like second-hand ones for sale and I thought, God, they made make a lot of sense, both so environmentally and from a cost perspective and I thought I'm going to, you know, look into this a bit further um, and that led me to the Facebook there's a great Facebook chat group for for cloth nappy parents, there's about five thousand people in it. So I joined that and I learned um a lot about how they work and um you know, how parents manage mm-hmm. it from there. Um and I, but I suppose at the same time in in my own background I was kind of thinking, goodness you know environmentally this you know this this is clearly the way forward you know the government are doing an awful lot around reducing single-use plastic items yeah you know cloth nappies are kind of next and I was looking around and I thought well there's not a whole lot of public information around this and I suppose my own background is like I, I run another online fitness business and, and, and I do a lot in social media and I thought sure I could have a go at this space and you know I um uh, that led me, I suppose, to to where you were talking about the the entrepreneur side of it, which is is the nappy market. And mm. um, so that's kind of how I started. So I, I, I researched my own journey, um, yeah. using the support of the the cloth nappy Facebook group, and uh, decided, you know what, everything about babies is brand new when you have your first child. So. If I start using cloth nappies from the get go, as opposed to disposable nappies, they will just become normal for us and our family. And that's exactly what happened. Um, You know, if you start with with disposables, they become normal to you. If you start with cloth, that becomes normal to you. So I said, sure, let's give this a go. And uh, we started. And at the start, it was kind of a mixture of cloth and disposables for the first six weeks and then all of a sudden I said oh do you know what I said to my husband I said we haven't used a disposable nappy today and then it was we haven't used a disposable nappy all this week and then all of a sudden we just stopped we just weren't buying them anymore and we yeah. were just in routine with our cloth and uh, it and just kind of transitioned from there. That's fantastic and, and a lot of people
2: do you think it's they're reluctant to use cloth nappies because they see it as too much effort or they're turned off by all the washing what is it do you think that turns people um, off this?
0: I think it's a combination of things. I think the number one thing is um, they're actually not aware that such an, such an option even exists. Yeah. If you are under the age of 30, you probably don't remember, like, you know, these were around, you know, for, from our grandparents, uh, you know, on and, and, and our parents' day. Um, you know, so a lot like I, I go to a lot of shows and markets and things and people look at them and say, oh, you know, what are they? Are they hats? Are they bags? Yeah. They actually are shocked when I say actually... These are reusable cloth nappies, so I think the number one reason why people don't choose them is because they're unaware they have the option. Um, and then after that, um, lots of people are intrigued to try, but you know, there's not a whole lot of public information. They don't know where to go to get information. So I think if there was more public information and support available that families could link into, um, they would they would definitely give it a go. And then there's lots of uh, lots of parents who um, do what I would say is combination nappying, so mm-hmm. they do a little bit of both. Uh, they use Re- reusables when they're at home, they use disposables when they're out of the house or, or whatever suits them. You know, it, it doesn't have to be an all or nothing option. And, and I suppose the biggest thing to stress is that uh, the washing machines today uh, have come a long way in yes. 40 years. So uh, the washing machine does most of the work and the washing powder and all of that. And the design of cloth nappies today are very user-friendly. They come with Velcro and buttons. Um, they're as easy to use as disposable as disposable nappies, I suppose the only difference is that instead of, you know, rolling it up and putting it into your waste bin, you are rolling it up and putting it into, like, a wet storage bag and then at the end of the day or the end of the second day you're putting it into the washing machine. Um So it's like an extra, you think about it, it's a bit like another load of um, baby grows Yeah, that's uh, twice, exactly twice a week. Yeah, and that's exactly you know, it.
2: people think of, you know, safety pins and terry towels, like these nappies yeah, couldn't be further. They're so pretty as well, aren't they?
0: Yeah, they're, they're very attractive. So I suppose, and, and another reason, like the Cloth Nappy community is extremely um, supportive and mm. inviting. And when you're a new mum at home, it can feel somewhat isolating. Whereas when you're doing this little bit, you feel like, you know what, I'm having an impact on the world. I'm making a difference. I'm reducing my waste. And um, I suppose you're also introducing your child to, I suppose, a more, you know, an environmentally or a greener choice. Like, Probably you know, more my, comfort my, my... as well for the little bums. Well, I don't know if you <laughs> were walking down through the, the, the aisle of the underwear option, and you had the choice between, you know, an a breathable organic cotton yep. choice or a or a plastic one that's you know uh, not not breathable um, I, I think you'd probably pick the cotton option so yeah, yeah. Like, and that's I suppose there's a mixture of reasons why people opt for cloth nappies and one of them can be for quite sensitive skin lots of babies you know many, many parents might have to go through multiple different brands mm-hmm. of disposable nappies because each child might develop a, you know a reaction until they find something that suits and that's why a lot of parents actually end up with cloth as well because they're more breathable they're natural fibres so they tend to have less and irritation against the skin.
2: Absolutely. And how tell us how much people can save because this is the key thing. How much can people save if they switch over to a cloth nappy?
0: Yeah there's, there's a huge saving to be had and I think at the moment there's a big focus around you know rising costs of yeah. of everything so like uh, from in disposable nappies between birth and potty training uh, you know and every child potty trains at a different stage you could spend between 1000 and 1500 euros on single use disposable nappies whereas if you were to spend like half that or even 300 euros let's say on a set of cloth nappies that would do you the same Um, period of time but the biggest option is if you start on your first baby and then baby number two comes along you don't have the same big financial outlay because you already have a set of cloth nappies you might need to add some more but you're not then re-spending the 300 euros because you already Mm. have some so there's a huge saving to be had if you have you know, multiple children and then also they have a resale value, you know, people buy them second hand or you can okay. pass them on to another family yeah. so there is definitely um, a saving to be had and plus you also cut down on uh, the waste that's going into your bin, bin charges are going up nappies are quite heavy, they make up about 10% of the domestic waste bin so um, imagine you know, two weeks of nappies um, yeah. in the bin, particularly if you have two in nappies if you have two under the age of two and a half that's, that's a, lot. a huge volume and it really does impact on the cost. Um, so so that's and, another another reason.
2: And the and the environment, as I mentioned, four hundred and twenty yeah. <laughs> million disposable nappies. Yeah. I mean that is a huge amount just mm-hmm. sitting there rotting away and you sent me over these statistics last night I had to read them a couple of times but you did bring up as well a really interesting point in the figures that you sent over because we have far less uh, I would say disposable coffee cups in landfill and this is maybe down to the fact that there was a huge levy slapped on it I mean is this something that you feel could work for the disposable nappies?
0: and um, I, like I don't think you know people need nappies there in you know they are essential for for babies so I'm not sure about the levy the levy direction yet whether the government but the government could certainly do more to support families in terms of you mm. know national awareness or or incentive incentive schemes so I do have to mention here that Voice Ireland yep. um are doing great work on it they have a national nappy scheme which is uh, it's done at local council level, so it depends on the, the, the local council in the county. Um, but they do provide they can provide funding to give families a um, hundred euro voucher to move to cloth nappies to oh go wow. and try it. So, so it's well worth, depending on where you are in the country. Um, checking out to see if the scheme is live or if it's still accepting applications in your area. Um, and then the other thing that about, uh, recently was launched is called the little baby bundle boxes, mm-hmm. which was trialled in both Waterford and the Rotunda Hospital, where new mums are given uh, a baby bundle box free from the government and it includes multiple different baby items, but it does include two cloth nappies and a set of reusable wipes. So more family-based. That's a really good idea. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you will also you'll also find them sometimes in the middle aisle of Aldi and Little. So oh. I suppose you know there is there is more public awareness happening slowly, um, but uh, yeah, I definitely do think more. there's more, more support. More support would be welcome. Yeah,
2: absolutely. So talk to me then about how the cloth nappy uh, library works. Uh, this uh, came about yeah. here in Ireland over about ten years ago.
0: It did. Yes. Yeah. So the cloth nappy library was set up about ten years ago by four. Mums who um, you know wanted to, so I suppose, make a make a, a an earth conscious choice, um, and and obviously cloth nappies. If you're not familiar with them, buying them at the outset it 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 can be a financial outlay, but it's also a knowledge you you don't really know what you need. So the library was set up so that p- families who would like to try them out can rent a set, mm-hmm. try them out at home for three weeks. And that gives them a choice of there's a variety of brands and a variety of styles. And obviously babies are different shapes and sizes. So one brand and size and shape will work great for one baby and something else will work great for another. So the loan case gives you an option uh, to try out multiple different types and you can see what works for you. You get to have a go at the laundry routine and see if that suits your family. And um, then you can decide from there if you want to go and buy your own. Um, or or how it it works. So the the, the library is is a fantastic resource and it also provides an online workshop once a month. There's a virtual um, online workshop. The next one is the 20th of january and Mm -hmm. that is one of our lovely volunteers will demonstrate different nappies talk through the wash routine and answer any questions you might have so you know much like you would do maybe like an antenatal class or a breastfeeding class you can now do a cloth nappy class online and that's uh, really useful
2: yeah before (laughs) you decide to kind of do you know what what's going to be best for your your family and you have local collection points as well and volunteers managing the the loan kits here in the northeast as well
0: yeah, so there is collection points all over Ireland. and mm-hmm. um, The ones around you are probably Old Castle, Tara, yep. Trim. Uh, there is one in Monaghan, uh, Strad Valley, Maynooth, Newbridge and then Fingal and South Dublin. So there's lots of options and, and wider across the country. And there's also, we have a big um, postal loan option so it's just slightly more expensive because obviously you pay for the label there and back. Um, so you can get one directly to your door and you can try them out at home. Um, and then we also run... Uh, uh, we have a Facebook um, chat support mm-hmm. group, which has got 5,000 uh, active members in it. So, you know, if you have a question, there will definitely be someone who has an answer and can help you there. And then for if you're not on Facebook, we also have a WhatsApp uh, support group. So you will find all that on the Claude Nappy Library um, we- website, IE. The website yep. is up there. So if you want to link in and get more information, you will uh, find find that up there.
2: Fantastic. And you're also on the lookout as well for volunteers to help out with the the library. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. So we're always looking for people with cloth nappy experience or people who uh, have any kind of skill set that they would like to uh, contribute, particularly in places where we don't have a pickup location at the moment. Um, You know, we always look for people who who want to come forward there, who have some kind of skill set to offer. um, And it could be a case that you know, maybe you're great at websites, maybe you're great at marketing, and um, or maybe you're just you have cloth nappy experience. Whatever it is, people can get in touch if they would like to volunteer. Um, and, and I suppose the cloth nappy library is entirely self-funded. Yes, you know we don't we don't get any self-funding. um kind of nationally, uh, we do get funding if we ask. Uh, like for example, Meath County Council kindly funded. Our trim um, kits recently, mm-hmm. so so they they funded the purchase of the actual nappies to put into the loan kit, but we fund all of the you know the admin and the running and the management um, of it. So you know we also welcome anyone who'd like to buy us a coffee; they can also do that on the website.
2: Fantastic! I think what you're doing is really, really incredible. And I should mention as well that uh, Kate set up the nappy market uh, mm-hmm. when she was uh, literally in the very, very early stages of newborn yeah. with uh, your your own first child and you were managing all of that you have a second on the way, how are you feeling by the way about that?
0: I do yeah, no, I feel good, I think the second uh, you know, your second pregnancy you sometimes forget that you're pregnant because yeah. you're so busy running around after the first one <laughs> but um, yeah, no I, I, I'm very, you know, I mean I'm very lucky to be able to, you know, that allows me to work from home, you know, so I, I'll get to be able to, you know, be, be around here, although you know, self-employed life, uh, there's, there's no such thing really as, no. as holidays or maternity leave, you know, the work still goes on um, but, yeah, I suppose, the, I suppose one of the main drivers behind me launching the nappy market was uh, since Brexit. Oh, yes, you know,
2: there's of, a course. Lot of
0: There's a lot of UK, you know, there's, there's, there's a very, so you could count on one hand the number of places you can buy cloth nappies in Ireland, whereas in the UK it's enormous. But now, since Brexit, most of them no longer ship to Ireland or else there's obviously an extra kind of 20 to 23% kind of tax levied and imports. So, so one of the reasons why I, I looked at setting up the nappy market was this was to give families... A choice uh, for, for local local purchase so people can find information, advice and um, lots of choice up there and they'll also find it on my Instagram. Yep. Um, I try to give tips and hints whenever I can in in, in between multiple nappy changes at home.
2: <laughs> no better yeah. moment to do it. Absolutely fantastic. Oh, Kate, it's been lovely chatting to you. I think what you're doing is really, really brilliant and hopefully there'll be more people interested in switching over to this sustainable option but thank you so much for joining us today.
0: No problem.
2: Thank you so much. Bye. Thanks a million. Kate Doyle there. You can find more information on uh, the Nappy Library. So it's clothnapperylibrary.ie and you can also find more on Kate and her business on thenappymarket.ie.
1: The 11 to 1 show.
2: Olive has been on 086-1800-658. I think we brought her back. She says, uh, I used the terry cloth nappies when my first child was born in 1978 using the big pins. So she was being sustainable before we were even talking about it. Uh, What was that like as well with the big pin and everything? I'd say that was a hassle as well, Olive. Fair play to you. These, you'd want to see these now. They're just really, really doty. They're very, very cute, very pretty. And like uh, Kate was saying, you'd have no idea actually that they were in fact cloth nappies. They're just so, so nice. And they're so much more durable as well. Uh, So we are going to be going back in time very, very shortly. And would you believe it, all the way back to 1569, and the first recorded lotto. LMFN Northeast Update with Senator Windows. Senator Windows products will help you create a secure, comfortable, energy efficient home you're proud of. Call 0818 77445. I can't believe it's gone all the way back that far. 1569 was the first recorded lottery in England and it was drawn in St Paul's Cathedral in London. The first prize was £5,000. Other prizes included silver plate tapestries and a high quality linen cloth. There you go. And today is Milk Day. It's generally thought that Milk Day was celebrated, uh, created to celebrate the first time milk was delivered in glass bottles beginning in the US. Some people think it dates back to the year 1915. Prior to this, conditions for milk uh, delivery were definitely very unsanitary. But the new bottles enabled safe and clean storage. So Milk Day today. LMFM Northeast Update with Senator Windows. Creating the perfect home is a journey. Let us guide you. Visit our Drahada, Dundalk, and new Navin showrooms. Discover more at senatorwindows.ie. Westlife, swear it again. Now, you know that I always like to support anything that is, you know, working to help women. And this is the latest fundraiser and kind of awareness campaign that Women's Aid are involved in. And for people who are yogis or people that are into their yoga, uh, this is going to really suit you as well. So they're asking people to stand strong in a warrior yoga pose and share the picture on social media. And this is all to support victims of domestic violence. It's an appeal from Women's Aid, Alliance, and the GAA. They've all teamed up together uh, to raise funds and awareness for thousands of women across the country. And Women's Aid CEO Sarah Benson says they hope to create a powerful demonstration of solidarity and support. So you can find more details on womensaid.ie. But this strong warrior yoga pose is what they're asking people to do. Share the picture on social media and donate where you can. What a great campaign as well. And that image is going to be Very, very powerful for people to see all over social media. Now, news at twelve is approaching, but after that, he was once trapped in a job that he really didn't like. Before finally taking the plunge, we're going to be chatting to transformation, life, career, and well-being coach Mark Carlin. That's all coming up after twelve.
1: The eleven to one show.
2: The search is on for a new Loud Rose. More on this after Adele. Adele, hello on LMFM's 11 to 1. Sinead Brazel here with you and the search is on now for 2024 Loud Rose. So this year, the selected Loud Rose is going to represent the Wee County at the International Festival for the Rose of Tralee. So roses are traditionally sort of musicians, dancers, volunteers, sports people, advocates for healthy living, uh, both body and mind. They friends, neighbours, sisters, daughters and teammates. So every rose selected to represent her county city or country will enjoy a nationwide rose tour showcasing attractions and communities right across Ireland before arriving of course in Tralee for five fun-filled days of parades, gala functions and community events. So is there someone maybe in your workplace, in your community, in your club, in your house that could be the next Louth Rose? If so, there's so many ways to start the application process. Uh, the main one is emailing. Okay, so email Louth Rose Centre at roseoftrilly.ie if you want more information, and of course you can check out the main website roseoftrilly.ie uh, for all the details there. So they are on the lookout now for a rose for the wee county of Louth. Now, uh, let's check in what's happening with the world of celebrity.
0: The Buzz on LMFM. Keep up to date with all the latest news and gossip on the LMFM app.
1: Hi, I'm Max. Olivia Rodrigo says she wants to get into the movie industry. Here's what she said.
3: I would love to. I think that'd be really fun. I love movies. I love telling stories.
1: What genre would you like to do?
3: Oh, it's a great question. I really want to do a coming
2: of age thing. Maybe before I'm actually of age. <laughs> maybe I am of age
3: already. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I, I just love telling stories, whether that be in a, in a song or a movie. And that's just something that really excites me.
1: And or director Toby Haynes is going from Star Wars to Star Trek. The British filmmaker has signed on to direct a new Star Trek movie for Paramount. Pride and Prejudice and Zombies writer Seth Graham Smith is penning the script. Tina Fey spoke to Jimmy Fallon about the casting of Mean Girls the Musical, which is out in cinemas soon. Here's what she said. We knew we wanted Renee because she had done the Broadway show when she was like 19 and uh, got on to do Sex Lives of College Girls and so that was great. Paramount was psyched that we knew her. That was easy and then like Avantika, this gorgeous actress who plays Karen uh, she's so gorgeous. It's like stupid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like I think like the last part that we cast was was Gretchen, and it's a hard part to cast. Like we saw a lot of amazing actors, oh, but of course. I, and I had one day where I was like. I'm going to go back and watch every single tape of every Gretchen that's come in. So I spent like a whole day watching all of them all of them and then I was like, "This girl, I love this girl, Bibi Wood. She's perfect. She's Gretchen." And we hired her and then I went to look at her IMDb page and then I realized that I had worked with her when she was 10 on 30 Rock. That's the buzz. I'm Max. The buzz on LMFM. Keep up to date with all the
2: latest news and gossip on the LMFM app. Getting back to the music now. Here's Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift, cruel summer. It can be cruel getting up and going into a job that you absolutely despise every single day. And a new survey found that people get restless after three years in their job. But I have no doubt that they are people that are tuned in right now that are in their job way longer than three years. But there's something preventing you from making that leap. Well, we're going to be chatting to a man that definitely did make that leap. And thank God he did because he completely transformed his life. And now he's transforming the lives of others through his work as a transformational life, career and corporate well-being coach. He's also a motivational speaker. We're going to meet Mark Carlin next.
1: The 11 to 1 show.
2: My next guest spent 20 years in a career that wasn't for him because he was scared of taking a risk and failing at something he'd love. Now, this is a scenario that no doubt resonates with a lot of us, but with the arrival of a brand new year, don't we owe it to ourselves to stop running away from our desires and take that chance? Thank God Mark Carlin did take the chance and moved away from the corporate world and into the world of coaching because not only has he improved his own well-being and the relationships that he has with those around him through his work as a transformation life career and corporate well-being coach he has given others the tools to transform their own lives for the better but in order to transform we must fa- first face that which makes us vulnerable and this is what's going to be the focus of our chat i'm delighted to welcome the inspiring mark carlin to 11 to 1 how are you getting on mark thank you so much I'm, for joining us
3: i'm great delighted to be here tonight Ed.
2: Now, before we delve into this topic, uh, which I have a feeling is going to be a very important chat, Mark, tell us a little bit more, though, about your own story, because over 20 years ago, you were in a very different place and a very different mindset.
3: Yeah, Sinead. I was a a graduate of university a long time ago and I was moving around looking for things to do and I found my way because I had a degree in economics. So you naturally find your way towards the banking industry. Mm. And I knew after a week it wasn't for me. Yet it still took me 20 years to get out of it. And my friends would all say to me, why are you still in a bank? But you know how life happens to us. And suddenly we're in this thing a couple of years and then we're getting paid and then we have a mortgage and then we have kids. And suddenly we feel a little bit stuck. We feel a little bit trapped because we look at the money we're making as being the most important thing, being able to provide being the most important thing, despite our own well-being in the situation. Now, I should be clear, there's parts of it that I enjoyed. Mm. There was part I loved people. I loved working with people. But there was so much stress that I wasn't good at managing. So many late nights every single every single day that I wasn't good at managing. And it came to a point for me a few years ago. It was actually um, in December during the first lockdown, during the lockdown. And I was sitting at my desk and it was 11 o'clock at night and I was still working again. And it actually dawned me that if I didn't change what I was doing, this was the future for the rest of my life. And what was even more important to me, Sinead, is my father died quite young. He died at 57 years old. Okay, It dawned to me that he didn't even get to retire. So I was looking at my life going, well, is this is it? Is this all that my life is going to be? It's just doing this job and then that's it. And that frightened me even more than the fear of change. And that became the catalyst for actually making the change that I needed to make. Because our life is not waiting for us to live it. We'll keep going and it'll keep going. If we don't start making decisions, if we don't take responsibility, if we don't take charge... Nothing will change.
2: There's so much to unpack there and what you've just said. But would you say then that the lockdown, that sort of time where we all went a little bit inward and started to sort of reflect on kind of where we were headed? Was that the light bulb moment or were there a series of light bulb moments that led up to this point, but they kind of pushed away?
3: I've always been searching, Sinead, mm. I've always been searching for something more, searching for something different. I would find myself doing meditation courses, doing philosophy retreats, doing all sorts of different stuff, trying to always find and looking for answers. And unfortunately, like the mistake Anofalo was made, always looking externally for the answers. But the answers are never found externally. They're always found internally. It's always that connection with ourselves, what we really need, what we really want. And for me, it's been bubbling for a long time. My wife would always be saying, Mark, will you not just do something different, you know, something that mm. would make you happy? And I wouldn't make that change because, again, fear of the unknown, fear of making a mistake, fear of doing the wrong thing, fear of failure. And also, and this is something that I hear so much in what I do, people come to me saying, I still don't know what I want to be when I grow up. (laughs) Because we struggle. We don't know what it is because we go and the people in school who wanted to be nurses or doctors or guards when they were young, they knew what they wanted to be. They never had a, a, a doubt. The rest of us, we struggle and fall our way to whatever it is. And I've met people in their 70s who, say, who can say to me they still don't know what they want to be. And I think that becomes a hard part of it for us because we don't know what that is. Yeah. And for me, um, I was actually made, Of luck would have it, I was being made redundant about a month after I had that epiphany in terms of I needed to make a change. Well, do you know and what? That's really offered...
2: fantastic that you have said as luck would have it. Can we all just take a <laughs> moment for Mark recognising that that was a lucky moment? I love that.
3: Well, it, it, and I have to say, it, it took me a while to get to that straight away because yeah. initially there was like, oh, anger. Why am I not good enough? What's wrong yes. with me? You know, and, and all the rest of the things and trying to excuse it, trying to make logic of it. But I said to myself at that moment, I actually found out I went for a walk and I said to myself here's your chance this is an opportunity right now if you do not take this then you can go back and you can live that nightmare that you've been thinking about or you can take this opportunity so I just jumped I jumped at the opportunity because here it was and I'm not getting any younger
2: Yeah. And you decided then, so what, as you mentioned there, you know, aspects of the banking in terms of working with people, that kind of thing, that appealed to you. Was there a lot of inner work and also a lot of exploration as to where you were going to go next?
3: I suppose I'd always kind of known, like years ago, somebody asked me, what would you love to be doing if you could do anything in the world? Yeah. And I said, I'd love to motivate people. I'd love to find a way to inspire people, to help people be the best version of themselves. So i had been always thinking about that. That'd be in the back of my mind. What could I do? How could I do it? And I actually, through the work that I was in, I started with the they were given life coaching and I jumped in with this life coach and I just ended up having these long, long conversations with her about what she did, how she did it, why she did it, what this was all about. And I realised this is this is the thing for me. This is the kind of thing that I would love to do. and And I absolutely jumped into it. And anyone I spoke to said, that is amazing that you're doing that. That is fantastic for you. That is the perfect thing for you, which was very reassuring. Now, I should add, um, one of my friends did tell me when we were out one night, they said that someone else I know heard I was doing this and said, him, how can he do this?
2: Oh, And I,
3: I thought about that for about six months. Mm. I thought about maybe they're right. Maybe I can't do this. What am I even doing? Who do I think I am? And what that did for me, it just goes to show you how you can feed your own doubts still, even though you know yeah. you're going in the right path. And now the fact that I can tell you about it, it goes to show you that evolution from being vulnerable about what someone can say to transforming it into how you can motivate yourself.
2: Oh, it really is. And this is bringing us nicely then to what you posted on LinkedIn just really resonated about vulnerability. So you start off saying, too often in life, I have run from vulnerability and that has failed me each and every time. And that really struck me, That even that first line. So first, firstly, how does your vulnerability manifest for you? In what ways are you vulnerable even now?
3: Well, for me, I'm speaking openly about being made redundant I'm speaking openly about knowing that I wasn't in the right space about not doing the things that are right by who I need to be as a person and not living up to a life and an expectation I set for myself and expectations are dangerous but I mean an expectation that I'm here to live my life to the best ability that I can like I will give talks in companies and organizations and the talks on well-being talks on habits on time management and I am the example of what not to do. Because I look at how I lived my life over these periods, and what I was doing, how I was stressing myself out, how I was being overwhelmed, how I was falling into all these traps. How here's a great example of it from a work perspective. Yeah. If I was struggling at work, instead of trying to be smart about it, I would think I would work harder and work yeah. harder, and working yeah. harder was just trying to protect me from the fact that I was struggling. Because that was me not being vulnerable. So now I can put my hand up and say, you know what, this isn't working, and I have to accept that this isn't working, and. This goes for all aspects of my life. Let's say I've got a teenage daughter. You know, you're struggling yeah. with your kids and we fight against against the kid. But it's, sometimes it's us that's the challenge here because we're struggling with our own ability to deal with this or in any relationship we're in. How often in our relationships, and I'm happily married for the last 15 years, but there's times when I w- we were having rows because I wasn't comfortable being vulnerable in certain situations. I wasn't willing to open up and be honest in a relationship. And that's not good because once you are and once you get to that space, it changes everything for you because you own yourself. And a a lovely line I heard years ago that I've never forgotten is, when you begin to accept your flaws, nobody can use them against you. And that's That's very powerful.
2: It is, and it's that's the tricky thing, is that acceptance that you're talking about there. Now, you know, most of us again would would agree with everything that you're saying there, um, but it's in our DNA, isn't it? This idea of this fight or flight instinct. Uh but what 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 happens when we continue to run away from our own vulnerabilities? <laughs>
3: We have a lifetime of regret ahead of ourselves. Mm. We have a lifetime of pain. It is so difficult and so exhausting trying to defend ourselves all the time. Is what happens from a vulnerability perspective is we get afraid. We get afraid of shame and feeling ashamed. And when we do that, we start to defend ourselves and we start to build armor around ourselves. And that armor is all sorts of different things. It's an example of the beliefs that we hold. The I'm not good enough. I'm not strong enough. I can't change what I do. I can't do something else. I can't do something different. Every one of these beliefs is a limiting belief and it holds us in the wrong space. And if we look at the word belief, the word lie is in the rhythm of the word belief. Oh, because yes. Because the belief is not true. Yeah. It's, it's not true. It's not the truth. What is the real truth? The truth is I don't know if I can do this. The truth is I've never tried. The truth is maybe I can. Maybe I'm actually good. Maybe I can learn and get better and better and better at what I do. And that's what's really available for us, if we continue to push the other way, we continue to live in a negative cycle for ourselves. And there's no freedom in that because Mm. we're having to defend ourselves, play these roles all the time. And it never, ever stops. It never ends. It's just continuous, continuous loop until we learn that piece of self-acceptance and not just self-acceptance. It comes from self-awareness into self-acceptance and then a little bit of self-compassion to accept we will make mistakes because we're human, but at least we can learn and grow from those mistakes.
2: That's exactly it. And I love that you've pointed out that in the middle of the word belief is the word lie. I love that. And do you find as well that men are running from their vulnerabilities a lot more, say, than women? Like, I know you do have a specific talk on uh, vulnerability, but also one aimed at men, which is called the power of vulnerability, which sounds like a contradiction, but I completely get where you're coming from with this.
3: Oh, completely, completely, Shaned. <laughs> It's, a lot of this is how we're conditioned. You know, mm. you're growing up and you have to you have to man up and you yeah. have to be strong. And we don't want to be thought of as soft. We can't face failure because that's not good enough. We don't want to be wrong. We don't want to reveal weakness. We don't want to show fear. We're, we're very afraid of being criticized, ridiculed, stereotyped into a certain space. But all that does is that helps us build the armor a little bit further to stop us being who we are, as opposed to. Letting it go and accepting those parts of ourselves, because, you know, when when we think of the word vulnerability as weakness, Mm. to be vulnerable, it takes courage. And to be brave and to speak your truth, that's the opposite of weakness. So how can it be weakness if we have to be there? And I think, too, something I'm always thinking in this space is it's very authentic to be that. And whenever we meet someone who is truly authentic and true to themselves, we gravitate towards it because we're like, wow, they have something that I'd love to have for myself or we run a mile from it because we're not ready to face and confront who we really are.
2: Oh, completely. And there's so many different aspects that this can bleed into, you know, in in our lives. But I suppose today's focus, I suppose, is from the professional side of things. Particularly, we were talking there this morning that uh, the majority of people that were surveyed recently have a three-year itch in the job that they're in. Okay, now I would say that there's people listening in that have a 10 or a 15 or a 20-year itch uh, that they want to sort of escape their, their job. They want to do something different. But there is something, these lies that we tell ourselves that are holding them back. So what's the first step, Mark? What is the first step to going, OK, I I, I need to kind of get myself into a different uh, work situation, which will then hopefully impact on the rest of my life?
3: I think the very first step is become beginning to get to know ourselves a little bit better, which might sound a little bit strange. You'd like to think that whatever age we are, 30, 40, 50, 60, 80 years old, we should know ourselves by now. But we don't because we haven't asked ourselves the proper questions. And we start to look at what do we really value in this life? What's the things that are most important to us? I work a lot of people with a lot of people who are struggling to make decisions. A lot of it can be Mm -hmm. around changing jobs or doing all sorts of things. And they're struggling to understand why. We look at two things. We look at what are your criteria? What do you want to get out of something? Or what do you need to get out of? A certain wage, a certain standard of living, a certain, you know, work Monday to Friday, whatever that is. But then what we really dig into is what are your values? What are the things that are most important to you? And if I bring it the whole way back to myself and changing career, yeah, I did a good exercise on values before I, before I changed. And my values were having some independence, but my values were in finding a way to help people and in communing with people. And I realised they're my values. So how do I find a way to work in those values? Because when you begin to live a life in line with your values, You don't need to second guess yourself. There's no doubt because you know what you're doing is right by who you are. So that's the perfect place to start. Look at what you value, figure out what those things are. And then you start to look at, well, how do I create a life and create a career or create a way to work that honors those values for myself?
2: I love that. And I love that you have to sort of, as you say, take that time, because so often if we do have a three year itch or whatever, we sort of leap into the next thing without sort of fully considering, OK, are we actually doing something that's going to be beneficial or are we going back into a similar scenario? Where we're going to find ourselves in this situation, you know, down the line and. Um, The other thing as well that can impact people, particularly nowadays, and I think Mark 20 years ago would agree with me as well, is in our very busy lives is this kind of idea of overwhelm. And it's something that you see time and time again cropping up, I'd say, with people that you work with.
3: Oh, look at this. I was asking, I was doing a, a day session down in Roscommon before December, and I was asking people, do you remember when um, the internet first came in, the technology started to ratchet it mm. up, and we all thought our lives were going to get simpler and so much easier now that the technology <laughs> was going to do the work for us. What happened? How did we let this happen? We seem to be so, so busy all the time. It's because we're giving our attention to everything That's We're giving our attention away all the time. And if somebody tells me that I'm too busy for anything, I don't have time to take a break. I'd ask them to check their phone usage for a start because oh, yeah. that'll tell you how much time you really have. But even in simple things, if we're overwhelmed, a break is a good way to start to help ourselves out because if we keep going and going and going, eventually we burn out. If you're making a cup of tea, instead of spending two minutes on your phone while your tea is brewing, because that's what you're supposed to do with the tea, to leave the tea bag in it, instead, breathe for two minutes. Take a second and then restart. But learn how to prioritize. What are the tasks that's most important to me right now? What do I need to do? Learn some time management skills around delegation, around being able to pass off stuff to other people, around removing stuff that doesn't matter. I'll give oh, you an the example. De- the I...
2: delegation thing is hard for control freaks like me, Mark. Just throwing that out there.
3: <laughs> okay, okay, right. It is absolutely hard for a control freak like you, right? But can you do every single thing?
2: well I can I can try my best but as you say I'll be working myself into the ground if I don't delegate I, I hear will. what you're
3: saying I know but we're not always delegating to somebody else okay we're delegating to our future self as well
2: okay yeah so yeah
3: when you think of delegation look at all the things you have to do and go right, well, right now this and this and this these are the most important things these are my main priorities right I'll delegate this this and this to my future self and if they are critical in two days time well then we'll deal with them then if they're mm. not well then they're not critical So we begin to juggle in a way that we begin to manage ourselves a little bit better because that's what we're doing all the time. We're trying to manage ourselves so we can function optimally all the time.
2: I, yeah, yeah. I hear what you're saying and sometimes I do kind of go oh that's future Sinead's problem which is a great way to compartmentalise all of the tasks that's on your list for people listening in right now though who are in a job that they hate and they are messaging in on 0861800658 and they see no way out and they're telling themselves lies that they could never do this or that what's the one thing that you would love them to take away from what we've discussed?
3: The very idea that we can see no way out That's a belief. It's not true because your life can change in a single moment. In a single moment, we get a phone call, someone knocks on the door and our life is completely changed and completely different. So the thing to do is what is the smallest step you can take to move yourself towards something you'd enjoy? What is the littlest thing you can do? And maybe that is you create a profile online for jobs. Maybe that is you talk to someone who's working in a job that you like. Mm. Maybe that is you begin to create your CV and work in that space. But it's not about... Where, where we get scared uh, an awful lot, Sinead, is, is, and this is an example of me not changing careers for a long time, is it's as if we're standing on the Grand Canyon and we're looking over to the far side and we think we have to jump from one side to the other side. Yeah. But we don't. There's steps down to the bottom. We walk across the bottom and then we walk back up to get to the far side. Everything is a step by step a step until we get there. So start with the smallest step because once you move forward, you have momentum, you have forward progress and you're moving and it changes your perspective once you start moving.
2: Great advice. Mark, I could speak to you all day. There's so much that we've learned from this discussion. Uh, how can people reach out to you if they want to work with you?
3: Yeah, you'll find me uh, very easily on my LinkedIn or on Facebook at Mark Carlin Coaching and also on my website at markcarlincoaching.com uh, or even an email by markcarlincoaching at gmail.com.
2: Fantastic, Mark. Thank you so much for taking the time to have a chat with us today.
3: Lovely, lovely to be here, Sinead.
2: Thank you so much, Mark, Carlin. Lot to digest. If you missed any of that, I will have it podcast out later on in lmfm.ie.
1: The 11 to 1 show.
2: I have music from Picture This on the way, but first it's time for this. LMFM Job Search. With thanks to LMFM Online. Check out the latest Northeast news, sport, and entertainment on LMFM.ie. Loud me, the Education and Training Board invites applications from suitably qualified persons for the following position. It's a Grade 5 Senior Staff Officer Abbey Road in Navin. For details and applications, check out careers.lmetb.ie and the details are on the local job section as well on LMFM.ie. The closing date for that is the 22nd of January picture this take my hand it is Thursday which means we are talking TV and I have some great recommendations for what's on telly over the next couple of days that's coming your way next
1: the 11 to 1 show
2: We are talking TV recommendations and it's Traitor's Taskmaster and Zuckerberg. Yes, if you have not been watching this, oh my God, highly recommend it. It's the BBC show... The Traitors, it's uh, continuing tonight at 9pm. So essentially, right, this is a psychological adventure competition where strangers are moved into a castle in the Scottish Highlands and they have to complete a series of challenges and missions together as a team. The catch, though, is that amongst the loyal contestants hoping to win a cash prize of up to £120,000, three traitors are secretly lurking, sabotaging their efforts and picking off the contestants one by one. So it's kind of an ultimate game of detection, Yeah, backstabbing and you know you kind of have to root out the traitors so the highly anticipated series 2 has returned and last night the fourth episode uh, (laughs) was uh, on BBC 1 and it was a bit longer for you because I think there was something like um Was there like a week long of a wait? Anyway, but there was a nail biting uh, cliffhanger and things were left with fateful Brian and traitor Ash facing the chop with six votes each with Anthony getting the deciding vote and last night's episode then revealed he voted for Brian who was banished and announced that he's the fourth fateful to be eliminated. And uh, even Claudia Wilkenman was saying, you know, fatefuls, you're doing the traitors work for them. So uh, as the players reel from the revelations around the round table in the dead of the night, the traitors plot their next move A new day beckons, 10,000 is at stake and uh, the players face one of their toughest missions yet. So it is continuing tonight, BBC One, 9pm. It's nail biting stuff. It's absolutely brilliant. Now, something else that I just love and, you know, if you're kind of scooching around and you don't know what to watch and you just want an episode of something fun on Netflix or, you know, any streaming device, but it is on Netflix at the moment. But this is brilliant. It's Task Master, Champion of Champions, Okay, Now this, uh, Taskmaster, all of the the previous series, you can find them on Netflix if you're not familiar. But this is the ultimate Champion of Champions and it's uh, on Sunday night, Channel 4 at 9pm. So the former champions... Dara O'Brien, Morgana Robinson, Sarah Kendall and Sophie Duker return to the show and uh, compete alongside Series 15 runners-up, Kiel Smith and also one of them will cart home the ultimate prize of host Greg Davies' buff body forged in gold. Essentially, it is comedians uh, competing against each other to complete a random, the most random uh, set of tasks with hilarious results. It is just fantastic. And Greg Davies is amazing. He's his usual gruff, grumpy self. So that is Taskmaster, Champion of Champions. It is on uh, Channel 4 on Sunday night at 9pm. Now back to tonight, Zuckerberg, King of the Metaverse. I mean, what a title alone for this. It is on Sky Documentaries tonight. Are you too powerful? That was the question the US Senate put to Mark Zuckerberg about data concerns back in 2018. This is what this feature documentary sort of hinges everything on. So since creating Facebook 20 years ago he has connected almost half the world's population starting when Zuckerberg uh, first made Face Mash at Harvard and his former uh, fellow students and colleagues plus biographers Tell All. Do you want a little hint from the trailer? Here it is.
1: Mark didn't just want to be famous he wanted to be historic. He was so young Young. this idea of move fast and break things we were empowering people overthrowing dictators it really has created a new reality i don't think they saw what's coming at all cambridge analytica Arab spring fake news
0: is connecting the world back?
1: mr zuckerberg are you too powerful
2: Oh very good Zuckerberg King of the Metaverse that is on Sky Documentaries at 9pm tonight and those are my top TV recommendations for you Phil Collins Easy Lover finishing out the show for today that is my lot thank you so much for your company enjoy the rest of your day and I'll chat to you again tomorrow Listen back to the 11 to 1 show podcast on LMFM.ie or the
0: LMFM
2: app. LMFM. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians
1: to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter.